If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. You're home alone. It's windy, it's raining, and then you hear something. It's most likely the house creaking and groaning. Or at least you hope it is. You're becoming hyper-focused on each and every little noise. And each one is shaking you a little bit to the core. Your heart's beating faster and faster. You're thinking you're being watched. Those eyes in that picture over the fireplace are following you no matter where you go. You just know it. The howling wind outside is whistling through the trees. The shutters are banging against the windows. Your mind is saying everything's okay. But deep down in your heart, something just doesn't feel right. You're being watched. You know someone, somewhere, is listening. Alexa, what time is it? And if it's not Alexa, it could be Google Home, a Barbie doll, a coffee maker, or even your refrigerator. I'm America's digital pro, Kim Commando. It's called the Internet of Things. It's making you and your home more connected. But I have a huge warning for you. Those appliances are spying on you. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the different types of appliances that are gathering information and where all that information is going, where it's being stored, why you should be so concerned about it, and most importantly, what you can do about it. The Commando On Demand podcast is brought to you in part by iDrive. Protect all your data on all your PCs, Macs, servers, and mobile devices to one iDrive account. Switch to iDrive today from any competing service and get 90% off your first year. iDrive.com, promo code KIM. Let's play a pet game, a game all about pets. That's Hello Barbie. You know, the doll made by Mattel. Girls have played with Barbie dolls for generations, 58 years to be exact. And boy, has she changed. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. The very first Barbie doll had a dark retro hairdo with bangs. That's a far cry from the long, silky blonde hair that we know today. And she's smart, too. There was a lawsuit over Hello, Barbie. I wanted to know more about it, so I found the guy in charge of the lawsuit. My name is Stephen Tepler, and I'm a partner at the Abbott Law Group in Jacksonville, Florida. Steve's an expert on Hello, Barbie. Before we talk about her, let me tell you just a little bit about the doll. It's programmed with about 8,000 lines of kid-friendly dialogue. She plays 20 games, and she's not cheap. Hello, Barbie costs $75. The doll records voices when the kids press on its belt buckle and then transmits the audio files over Wi-Fi. And that's what got Stephen's attention. We focus on catastrophic injury and technology-based litigation that involves uh, devices and software that are threats to people's safety or their property safety. Let's explain what Hello Barbie is. I mean, we all know about Barbie dolls, right? 
And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the whole idea was that now with the internet and with Wi-Fi and computer chips getting so small and so affordable, that maybe Barbie could actually come to life, so to speak. And so there's that beautiful Barbie doll. And she connects up with an app on your phone. And so that, it, and you have to just basically you answer certain questions on the app as I understand it. And then when you want to talk to Barbie, you press a, a certain button on her belt and mm-hmm. you have a conversation with Barbie. And it was quite astounding when I saw a demonstration of this Hello Barbie. Uh, that that it, the Barbie really did have a conversation with the little girl. I mean, it was like, you know, what are you doing in New York? Well, I'm here to visit my grandmother. Oh, so you, so you know, you, what do you love the most about your grandmother? And it was quite intuitive. It it, it is intuitive uh, and almost intuitive to a fault. Um, and this is a combination of uh, a connected device where a recording of a child who speaks to the doll will be sent to a server uh, somewhere else that will take that information and render it and process it in a way that the machine can understand, that the computer can understand, and formulate a an appropriate or what it thinks to be an appropriate response to that request. And sometimes we'll come up with a question that even follows on to what the original comment was. So really it is it was quite intelligent. Here's the problem. All those conversations are being recorded. And get this, being stored for two years, ready to be accessed at any time. No one knows why they're being stored or what they were doing with them. In other words, Barbie is listening and she has a very good memory. And she's a total gossip. This came to us by a very, very, very concerned mother who had purchased the the doll and uh, had discovered exactly what the doll does and what the back-end intelligence does with the recordings of the child as the doll is spoken to. Now, when the app was installed, did it include all that language that we never read in the terms and conditions? Because we know if we don't say agree that we get don't get to use the app. The company's name was Toy Talk. Toy Talk. Toy Talk was the technology behind this. The way that Hello Barbie worked was that you you would have to register with Toy Talk for to be able to use the interactive uh, module that was resident in the Barbie doll. And once you registered, you also had to sign off on a very, 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 um, very all-encompassing uh, waiver and an agreement. Uh, and even a Child Online Privacy Act waiver where you as the parent could sign off for the child saying that you didn't mind if the child's recordings were being uh, retained, stored and used for various purposes. And then once that was done, you could then start talking to the doll by pressing on one of the jewel buttons, by pressing on uh, close to the navel and then one of the jewel buttons would light up. You would talk to the doll and the doll would respond. And if it didn't understand, it would say, oops, I didn't understand that. Now the recordings go off to the server. Where, what happens then? Well, um, that's where the technological magic happens. The server is uh, what was described, what we understand to be an artificial intelligence server, which basically listens into this. And there were um, a few thousand or more pre-programmed responses that could be associated to correctly respond to the set of sentences that was relayed to the server through the doll's technology. 
And then what kind of data was relayed to the servers? Obviously, you have the child's name, I would guess, their age, uh, maybe some certain characteristics. As we understand it, uh, Mattel and Toy Talk improved the security, the communication security um, on the on the doll and on the service underlying the doll uh, soon after it was it was released. Our concern was that um, when a child uses a doll, a child will say things to a doll as if it were a close friend, confidant, or surrogate parent. And who knows what confidences, what secrets, what um, could be discoverable in a lawsuit, uh, if there was a custody battle between the parents um, that would be retained for two years. It actually could cause a, a legal mess. But not only that, the doll was, if you looked at the box that the doll was packaged in, it had a picture of three children playing with the doll. And obviously it was meant not only for a registrant's child to play with the doll, but also for playmates. Here's the gotcha. Those playmates and their parents never agreed to the terms and conditions. They never waived their rights. So unless Hello Barbie can carry on a conversation with just one of those girls and somehow ignore all the others, it's like throwing your kid's privacy out the window. Coming up, more things are listening than just a Barbie doll. And there's nowhere to hide when it comes to protecting your privacy. Life happens. With ADT, you can feel safe with an ADT starter kit professionally installed for only $49. Call today and install an ADT starter kit that includes security panel, keypad, key fob, entry and motion sensors, and for a limited time, get a camera included and installed at no additional cost. That's a $449 value installed for just $49. Requires 36 one price ring contracts, QSB, and easy pay activation. Early term fees may apply. Certain marks excluded. License available at ADT.com. Florida EF001121. I have a confession to make. When we spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, I had just written for USA Today and Fox News about Alexa, the Amazon Echo, and that I was curious on how that technology works and what Amazon says that they record. And it's so you have this device in your kitchen or your family room, and it's always listening. But Amazon says it's only really listening when you see the blue ring. But yet... When I went back into my recordings that I was talking about a letter of intent for buying a commercial building. All right. So I haven't had a chance to review the entire letter of intent. Uh, there was me, me chastising <laughs> my son uh, to eat his vegetables. I mean, it's just crazy. So I started to delete some of these recordings, and I thought, you know what, this is just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, you can delete it, but they're still on Amazon servers. And so my confession to you, Stephen, is that I came home, and my husband said, where's Alexa? <laughs> I said, Alexa has moved out. Alexa is now unplugged in a box in a garage. Fortunately for you, um, it, it, it's not that Alexa is not a great product and, and has great promise, but um, to the extent that it does, which we understand is that it's never really off um, and it can only detect when it's on. So obviously, if it's recording stuff, it shouldn't record and it's being sent to Amazon. Um, the last thing you want is information that could be, you know, this personal or private or confidential. What if it was health information for crying out loud? 
Um, you know, we're still at the very, very beginning of this technology revolution, and the rush to market shouldn't obscure safety and privacy concerns. If I were to get sued for some reason, would it be difficult for the other side to go to Amazon and to say, listen, I want all the all the recordings from Kim Commando's house from June through December. It's a multifaceted issue. From the Amazon perspective, um, number one, are you uh, are you the party to the lawsuit, in which case you can authorize the release? If you're not, there has to be additional uh, legal maneuvering done to obtain it. Um, number two is whether or not um, Amazon has what's called a document or a records retention policy, which means how long do they keep these things? And is there a policy that says after five years, we throw it out. After three months, we throw it out. We discard it. There is a reprieve for those using Amazon cloud services. That's because Amazon says they instantly delete and overwrite all of your information as soon as you stop paying. But the information from the Amazon Echo is a little different. It collects your information and then sells it. Now, Amazon says it's all anonymous, but there are probably still pointers that come back to you as it being your personal assistant. You're the person who turns on your electric refrigerator, who opens your, your connected refrigerator three times between 6 and 7 p.m. and buys eggs every three weeks because the refrigerator orders eggs for you. But the... You know, the issue when you get sued is how much of that information gets stored, how long is it stored for, and is it discoverable um, by your adversary, someone who's suing you or someone you're suing? And the answer is yes. That's frightening to me because you would expect, as well as I would expect, that in your home that you would have some level of privacy. How do we put controls around this? As technology has advanced, so have security standards. It's somewhat lagging, but in a, in a way they always have to because you have to have the technology first and then adapt the security to it. But um, you can envision, and there are efforts underway to um, to create some sort of security framework for IoT, for, engine, for connected or smart devices. We call them IoT devices. And see, and that, you bring up an interesting point. Everybody has a router. It's really up to the consumer to, to know that they need to update the firmware on the router, okay? And it's not like the router manufacturers call you up and say, hey, Steve, Netgear here. Just wanted to let you know that this Nighthawk that everybody raved about, not so much anymore. They don't do that. So it's up to you to figure out that you need to update the router. And then after a while, the router manufacturers, they say, we're just not going to update it anymore. So you're on your own. You've just exposed one of the major problems we have with connected devices, and routers are progenitors of, of these types of devices. Um, number one, are they designed to be upgraded at all? You know, are they hard-coded? Some of these devices have hard-coded passwords in them that you can't change. Number two, what happens when they get orphaned? And that's what we call devices for which updates are no longer available. And, you, you know, your, your, your computing environment changes, but your device remains the same. So three, four years later, how do you, how do you balance one against the other? And there are efforts out there to, um, to develop perhaps what's called sunsetting capability is a manufacturer that has a very low margin, low priced item going to take the time to keep on upgrading this 
or not. And really, um, economically, financially, it makes no sense. So what what one thought, one school of thought is, is that you actually time out the code so that after a certain period of time, you disable the functionality of the device. And so the 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 the, the lifetime of the device is tied to its ability to connect. And here's the thing. Some people want to hang on to their gadgets even after the expiration date. So the manufacturer can stop pushing out updates. But some folks just refuse to get rid of their old devices. Um, you know, there's a Darwinian element to this. Um, <laughs> I love the Darwin Awards. They are the best. What I speak of as end of life is that when you have your um, your expected end of life for a connected device, not only would the connection be disabled, but the entire device would be disabled. So then your, your question is, you know, somebody said, I bought a toaster. How come my toaster ain't working? Maybe it's such that only the connectivity will will die out, you know, and, and you know, but these are issues that um, require additional engineering and forethought and security metrics and risk metrics. And, you know, manufacturers have to think about, you know, the safety to consumers. And these are now goods. They're no, you know, as I said, they're no longer computers where if you have a, a computer crash, you turn it off, you turn it on. Um, not that easy to do when you're running a wind turbine or an automotive device or a medical device or uh, a heating and ventilation system for an entire for a thousand unit apartment building. Everything seems to be connected. And I mean everything, even something called the We Vibe 4 Plus. You'd probably find this in an adult store if you get my drift. Someone had the bright idea to put a Bluetooth connection in it. So this way, you can operate it through a smartphone app. And it phones home. How convenient. Well, it is a connected device. And um, here's here's some of the history behind that. It was, um, I, I still don't understand why it needs to phone home. <laughs> I mean, really? for... for, for I mean, number one, why as a user would you want that information out? Number two, why as a manufacturer would it make a difference? There goes John um, again. You know, <laughs> geolocation, intensity. I mean, I, let, I, I don't want to go much further into it, but I, I'm looking at the parameters for the data that can be aggregated and used, and it, it just doesn't, doesn't compute. But that said, that probably caught the attention of enough hackers so that it at DEFCON last year, it was, um, the hack was demonstrated. A law firm uh, that engages in, in, in class actions actually sued them for sending out personal information, confidential information without authorization to another party. Things in our digital life are moving so quickly that lawmakers just simply can't keep up. So all these connected gadgets that we're bringing home we're being forced to abide by outdated and antiquated laws. You're absolutely right. We we have a, a problem, a real problem, in that um, industry manufacturers want to market their products as quickly as possible, and nobody can blame them for that. Um, but there are no guidelines, there are no standards, and the problem with uh, trying to uh, have the government enact any standards or regulations um, will entail at least a year, two years, perhaps even longer. And recently we heard a, uh, an official at a major federal agency tell us that the law in this area will develop only as a result of self-regulation by manufacturers and litigation, which means litigation where um, these devices or appliances or objects hurt people and then they go to court. 
So this means as more and more of our gadgets and gizmos and appliances get all connected to the web, you're going to have to rely on the manufacturers themselves to keep you safe. It's like having the fox protect the chickens. Manufacturers really aren't looking out for you. Most of them are just looking out for themselves. Or it could be we're just forced into waiting until someone gets hurt, prompting the lawmakers to take action. The bottom line here is the privacy that we knew growing up, it's no longer here. So we have to protect ourselves from intrusion. That means having good passwords, changing them often, making sure your network is secure, and always take precautions. Be sure to never lose your good common sense, too. Finally, some advice when it comes to those gadgets like Hello Barbie, the Amazon Echo, or Google Home. Watch what you say because they're always listening. Thanks for listening to this Commando On Demand podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to share this information with your family members and friends. And just a reminder, if you're not already getting my podcast delivered to you automatically, make sure that you subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play. And by the way, this podcast is not the Kim Commando Show. You can learn more about the Kim Commando Show podcast by heading over to getkim.com. That's getkim.com. You have to check blind spots to drive safely, right? Same thing goes for identity theft protection. If you just monitor your credit, you might miss something, like your info for sale on the dark web. LifeLock detects a wider range of identity threats to help protect your identity. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock offers visibility you might not get on your own. Membership starts at $9.99 a month, plus applicable taxes. Go to LifeLock.com. Use promo code KIM 